When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back to the Fenway Rundown Podcast. This is Mass Live's Red Sox show. I'm the host, Chris Cotillo, joined this week for a quick episode, quick instant reaction episode like we did a couple weeks ago with my co-beat writer at Mass Live, Chris Smith. And we obviously have a lot to discuss. Uh, last night, a little bit out of nowhere, the Red Sox swung definitely their biggest move of the offseason, trading Andrew Benintendi to the Royals in a three-team deal. The Red Sox are getting five players back. We know the identity of only two of them. Uh, that is outfielder Franchi Cordero and pitcher uh, Josh Winkowski, if I'm getting that uh, pronunciation right, but uh, and then three players to be named later. So obviously a lot to digest, you know, for the second time in exactly a year, a, a fan favorite outfielder has been traded. I've been attendees member of the Royals. I think um, there's a lot to digest here. So uh, we'll, we'll start it out by, you know, your instant reaction, Chris, when, when that came down last night, a, a lot later than I think, um, you know, I know you, you, your usual bedtime is about eight o'clock. So, uh, especially tough on you at the 11 o'clock press conference, but what were your thoughts? First thing that went through your mind when that went down? The first thing that went through my mind was this isn't a very good trade. And that was just looking at, you know, Cordero's stats. Um, the fact that, you know, the pitcher that they got is a 22 year old who, you know, hasn't pitched above high A. Uh, was the 26th prospect or whatever in the Mets system. And it was traded a week ago. Yeah, it was Rule 5 draft eligible in December. So the Red Sox could have picked him up then if they wanted him. So, I mean, he was available to everybody. So, um, but then as I kind of looked at it a little bit more um, and read some things, uh, I, I don't not like it. Uh, I think it's a, you know, I think it's a decent deal. Um, you know, I think that we have to remember you know, Andrew Benintendi needed to change his scenery. So if he's going to, I don't know if he would have played well for the Red Sox, you know? And I mean, obviously we've read it. Alex Spear had a big article on it, you know, scouts around the league, certain people talking about how his, you know, sprint speed is down. That his defensive metrics were not good over the past couple of years, you know, his defensive runs saved and all that. And, you know, I mean, obviously, it's a small sample size last year with the hitting, but it's not a small sample size when you go back to August of, you know, or September or August of 2018, mm-hmm. you know, he hasn't been a very good hitter since then, uh, you know, and, and um, he's just been an average type player. And so you look at it and Cordero is an interesting guy. Cause as, as Bloom said, he's had numerous injuries um, and I was looking at the different injuries and they're all different things, you know, wrist, elbow thing, you know, certain things. And 
you know, he's got everything that pops out on, you know, if you go to baseball savant, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, exit velocity, sprint speed, which they they talked about with you know Benetendi, not you know his declining. Well, this guy has great sprint speed. You know, all these you know um, advanced metrics, you know, show that he has the potential to be a good player. Um, so you're trading one guy who's underachieving for another guy that's underachieving, but however, you know, Andrew Benetendi is the more established <laughs> underachiever. If mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? I mean, he has to have more success, right. but, um, but the Red Sox also throw in, you know, four, four minor leaguers. And, you know, the more I look at this picture, you know, it's interesting, um, what I read, um, you know, he's, he's got a, he's, well, you know, he throws a sinker, but I guess he was trying to throw, I'm going to try to get him on the phone soon anyway, but, um, you know, he's trying, he's during the, uh, the coronavirus break, he, he was trying to throw more up in the zone and he has more velocity. Now he also tried to add a splitter in, uh, or he was working on a splitter instructs with the Met or not the Mets, the blue Jays, because he's been traded everywhere. And, um, and so I think that he is an interesting guy that I could see why people wouldn't have wanted to take a chance on him in the rule five draft, just because he, he's never pitched above high end. Um, so it's difficult to keep one of those guys on your roster, even if he's, you know, even if he's, um, has all the potential in the world, he probably wouldn't have success right off the bat this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, I can understand that. So it's not like it's a guy that just wasn't protected and, you know, they could have got him anyway. Um, I, I, I do like the deal. I think he's a guy that's trending up instead of down. I think that, you know, he's a big guy. He throws hard. He's got a good sinker. He's going to throw up in the zone, though, now, too. Uh, we've seen that a lot with Hauk uh, going up and down. And so um, I think, yeah, I, 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 I don't mind the trade at all. I think that it, it's a pretty good return. Yeah, I mean, the, the positive optimistic spin is that the Red Sox you know, flipped Ben attendee for Cordero, who, um, you know, even if that's a wash and you have, you have at least the extra year of control over Cordero and you get five prospects or, um, you know, four prospects as well. And we obviously don't know the identities of the three players to be named later, but it seems like, you know, people hear players to be named later and they think throw in or someone that's, you know, not very good. I think, you know, we're seeing more and more significant players to be named later just because of, you know, everything that's been going on, there's been no minor league season. The Red Sox seem like they want to get a chance to see some of these guys out and playing before they make a decision. From what it sounds like, you know, it sounds like they have a list of 10 or 15 guys they can choose from. They get two from Kansas City and one from the Mets, and they'll get to pick those guys by a deadline. And um, so it's hard, right? We always want that instant reaction to the trade of like who won the trade and, and who got the better end of it. But um, in this case, we're going to have to wait probably well into the summer before we know you know, the entire package the Red Sox got for Ben Attendee. And um, that's tough for fans to swallow. I get it. But, you know, patience is something uh, that is going to be important on this one. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at it and the reaction was, you know, it's a fan favorite going and, you know, it's another, um, you know, one of the star outfielders that was there with, you know, Mookie Betts and, and Jackie Bradley and the guys that did the wind dance repeat and everything. But, you know, Benetendi wasn't the same player as he was. And he didn't live up to, you know, being the seventh overall pick, even though his, you know, war is only second, is the war of, of his, you know, first rounders that year is the second best in the draft behind Alex Bregman. But he didn't, 
uh, it's actually funny. Chris Mason just brought up Bregman on Twitter and he was like, you know, he, he said a scout asked him, um, you know, a couple of years back, who would you rather, you know, have a team or build a team around or whatever, mm-hmm. Benetton or Bregman. That was a question back then. Now it's not a question, yeah. you know? So, I, you know, I just, I don't think this is the same level. This isn't a salary dump too, because, you know, they're only putting, you know, one point, they're all, they're only um, subtracting $1.4 million off their, you know, books or off their CBT this year by doing it. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a deal that, Bloom thinks will help them in the long run. Yeah, I think you know it's 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 not uh, people you know talk about you know they they traded Mookie and now they traded Benatendi as if those things are um, you know obviously two guys that were super important in 2018, two young homegrown guys who you know Mookie is a perennial MVP candidate and probably a future Hall of Famer, but Benatendi uh, he's been showing signs of um, regression. That's just not in the counting stats, the things we look at. I mean, that's with the sprint speed. Um, kind of the fluctuation and how he showed up at camp trying different things and um, athleticism, his defense has declined. And, you know, I think you talked about the Alex Spear article earlier in the um, earlier in the winter where, you know, there are a, a lot of indications that, you know, he's not poised for a bounce back season. Now for his, his case, you know, for his sake, I hope he is for the Royals sake. I hope he is, but um, it's clear that the Red Sox, as much as they've said, you know, we were really counting on this bounce back and, um, you know, to me, moving him and, and moving him right now, two years of control left, shows me that they weren't convinced that he was going to bounce back. Yeah, and there's nothing that should have made them feel that way. I mean, you know, you look, you go back to the Ashbear article, and, you know, they're talking about how not only is he disqualified, pretty much disqualified to play center field right now, but he's, his defense has regressed in, in left, and left is a you know, if you know how to play the wall, is a fairly easy position to play at Fenway Park. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, maybe he goes on. Maybe he's a late bloomer. Maybe he figures some of these things out. Um, but I just saw too many. Uh, you know, another thing with him was this, the strikeout rate, you know, just continued to increase um, the past three years. You know, I remember in 2019, uh, Alex Cora was t- saying to us all the time, like, he shouldn't be striking out this much. Um, uh, you know, he's not, he's, you know, his strikeout rate is too high and, you know, it was again high in 2020 and actually, you know, I mean, Cordero is somebody that's going to strike out a lot, uh, as, as we know, but his, his strikeout rate actually went down a little bit in limited sample size in 2020. So we'll see. Yeah. I think, you know, there it's tough with just the name Ben attendee. I think if you're, you know, just just checking your phone and seeing that this deal is done. Uh, casual fans who aren't in this market or, or don't follow the team closely think like, "Wow, this is all we got." I thought this guy was a superstar. You know, the pedigree, the hype, the top prospect. Um, but if you really look at it, and obviously, you know, Brian O'Halloran and, and Heim Bloom weren't willing to say this last night, but um, obviously not a bust, but someone that, considering what we thought the ceiling was, considering where he was in 2017, 2018, ascending. Um, a relatively disappointing tenure for Ben Attendee when it's all said and done. Yeah, and I remember in Toronto, uh, not in Toronto, Tampa Bay, I remember him, you know, and like his swing in, you know, 2017. And I was like, this guy is really good. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, it just kind of, you know, went south. So, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I don't have much confidence in him um, bouncing back. But, you know, I mean, look at, he's, he's in Kansas City. 
think he lives in uh, St. Louis during the off season, so he's he's closer to home now. Lives in he was originally from Cincinnati, so maybe he, you know, maybe he figures something out. Maybe he gets with a different hitting coach and he figures something out in KC. But and he apparently he has lost some weight mm-hmm. uh, this off season and looks in better shape, I guess. So we'll see. But um, I, if you know if he goes off and and uh, plays well in, in Kansas City, I don't think that. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a bad look for Bloom. Yeah, I think uh, you know if he's a perennial perennial all star there, there's going to be the <laughs> argument that the Red Sox gave up on him too early, which is you know, yes. totally fair and, and, and understandable considering um, you know how high the ceiling was and still is. I think it's important to remember he's still just 26. Um, he's got a lot of ball ahead of him, and um, you know for for his sake, you know I think. Yeah, he was he was never too uh too excited to talk to the media, but he was always fine to us. So, um, you know, it might it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know, he can thrive in 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 a place closer to home like you said and and really get get back on track. Um, one thing that and I I tweeted this last night, it's kind of gotten a lot of play on social media, but there there were people in the Red Sox organization who were kind of adamant against trading him. Um, you know, they they said this is a really good player. This is a guy that We've seen what the ceiling can be, and, and we want to keep him because we don't want that bounce back year uh, to come elsewhere. So I think that's an interesting point too. Something you brought up, you talked about wind dance repeat. Talked about those three outfielders as of right now, and and this is striking. But Alex Cora, when he left the team uh, in January of 2020, so just over a year ago, uh, the Red Sox had on their roster that that three headed monster in the outfield had been attending Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley, three Bs. Um, and now as Alex Cora reports to spring training and his return as manager, Mookie Betts is a Dodger, Andrew Benatendi is a Royal, and Jackie Bradley is probably going to sign elsewhere. We'll get into that in a second. But um, you know, I know there's about a billion things that are shocking over the last year from the pandemic to different things that have happened with the Red Sox. And it's a lot of, you know, would you believe this if we had said this back then? But this one to me, you know, when you think about just what they were in 2018, you know, the, the Lynn – Evans Rice comparisons, the um, superstar outfield core calling them the best outfield in the big leagues, or at least the best defensive outfield in the big leagues. It really is crazy uh, to me that they're all they're all gone. You know, assuming Bradley signs elsewhere, and I know you who, who covered that group from the start, I'm sure you couldn't have envisioned it ending this quickly either. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it was just a couple. We were just at spring training in 2019. Uh, a couple of years ago here and, and Alex Spear was working on a book, you know, the homegrown book. Right. And yep. that was pretty much on the, you know, a lot. Of, he was interviewing those three players, you know, extensively mm-hmm. for it. Right. And so, um, yeah, I know it, it is, it is strange. Um, you know, I think with, uh, you know, we obviously don't want to reflect back with the bets thing too much, but he did make an interesting point on Carabas. Uh, Bloom made an interesting point on Carabas's uh, podcast the other day. You know, if if they had kept bets, he would have been watching the World Series this past year. You know, on his couch, just like Heim Bloom was. Mm-hmm. And the and other then, thing is, then very well could have signed with the Dodgers this and winter, co- and likely would have signed. You know, he probably was not going to sign with resign with the Red Sox. He mm-hmm. probably would have signed with the Dodgers. The Dodgers had been pursuing him or had had him on their mind for a while. Um, he was somebody that they liked. Um, the athletic had articles, you know, the year before, um, Mookie was traded about how the Dodgers were going to go aggressively towards Mm -hmm. him in free agency. So, um, 
you know, you have Alex Verdugo, you have, you know, Jeter Downs and, and you have, uh, you know, Connor Wong and, you know, you wouldn't have those guys if, if you, if they didn't make that trade right now and you wouldn't have Mookie either. So, you know, I, I just, I, I don't see too many things wrong with it. I can, I can see why you wouldn't also want to give Jackie Bradley, you know, a, an extensive long, I don't, what's a long-term deal for him that he's looking for, you think four or five four, years? Four or five years, according to one report a couple of weeks ago, which was surprising to me, but. You know, he's been so inconsistent and he plays obviously tremendous defense and he's been, he's just so inconsistent with the bat. Um, and you just don't know what you're going to get there. And I, I think that, you know, you, you always looked at this year after the pandemic hit and Jer- Jaron Duran wasn't in AAA last year, you know, and getting, you know, you always looked at it before the pandemic, like Jaron Duran could take over for him in 2021. Mm-hmm. Now you look at it as a bridge year, this being a bridge year to Duran, maybe Duran will, you know, come up at some point during 2021, but they I really want to get... What's that? I'd guess that that happens. Yeah, I think Bloom's obviously, you know, um, he wants to take his time with all these guys in the minors much more than Dombrowski, who, you know, promoted Benintendi, who watched straight from AA, you know, mm-hmm. Mankata, um, Raphael Devers without hardly any, you know, AAA experience. So mm-hmm. um, I think they'll take their time with him uh, this year at AAA, but. Yeah, this this is this is more like a bridge year. I don't think you know. I, I don't see a reason why you would want to sign Jackie Bradley for four years. Yeah, no, I know. I totally understand that and get it. Um, and agree. The thing you know, and I think we're both in agreement. Like, you know, moving on from Ben Attendee's fine. There's a chance it could backfire. I think you know after digging into it, the return looks a little bit better. And again, we can't judge the full return for months, so it's really unfair to do that. But the one thing that I look at now is is that the Red Sox outfield heading into spring training, heading into opening day, is an absolute mess. You know, like I, I know that there's upside with these guys, but um, you know, there's a good argument to be made that you have uh, Verdugo, who is going to, um, you know, the expectations that he's an 162 game center fielder, and then you have two platoon players. That is, you know, the devil's advocate argument. I kind of see that. And I think that this outfield mix is, you know, compared to what it was, is, is really kind of crazy to look at. Cordero, Verdugo, and Renfro. Um, obviously, re-signing Jackie Bradley would would kind of cure that and um, make things a little bit easier on everyone. Or, but at this point, with that still unlikely in my mind and, and uh, probably in yours, I just think that this outfield mix has uh, gone from one of the best in the big leagues to, to really it has to be one of the worst. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you you look at it, and you know, Kiki Hernandez has said that he's gonna, he, you know, he wants to be the everyday second baseman. That's the goal heading in. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's a guy that they can slot out there center field. You know, he's a right-handed hitter, right? Yeah, and um, and you know, in in platoon with some of those guys on outfield, you know, on days when a left-handed pitcher is pitching, and then play, you know, second base on a day that a right-hander is pitching. So I. You know, he's going to be in the mix too. I think. I mean, his his. You know, he has very good, you know, defensive metrics for the outfield as well as second base. So he's a guy. And then, you know, if you look at it, um, you know, you still could add somebody, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's more likely. You've brought up the name Marlon Gonzalez, um, as somebody. You know, it's it's somebody though that you know you you would likely see that could you know play both the infield and the outfield. 
Yeah, Marlins. Well, I mean, definitely. well, I mean, Moreland's obviously a candidate too to come back, but you know, yeah. Mauern makes sense just because he has the ability to play the outfield right now, and their outfield is weaker. Another guy that I know we brought up last time you were on here, but Kevin Pillar now kind of makes some more sense too. Um, yeah, Jake Marisnik was another guy. The Red Sox did offer him a minor league deal. Um, I, I heard earlier today, but he signed a major league deal with the Cubs, so he will not be coming here. Um, but yeah, for right now, it's it's Cordero, Renfro, Verdugo, maybe uh, some sprinkling in Kike Hernandez, and uh, uh, definitely would expect some more additions. We'll, we'll end on this because uh, there's been some talk about this this morning, uh, some kind of conflicting reports, but Mark Feinstein reporting that um, – couple rival executives think the Red Sox are likely to sign Jackie Bradley Jr. Now, uh, Julian McWilliams from the Globe last night reporting that even after this move, it's still doubtful in Heimbloom. Um, and one of the more candid moments I can remember from him saying that this does not meaningfully, the Benintendi move does not meaningfully change anything on the Jackie Bradley front. To me, I just don't see it just based on how much they'd have to pay. Um, and the fact that all along, I've thought that Jackie Bradley wants to sign elsewhere. I know the Mets signed Almora. I know there's not a lot of perfect fits out there, but I could see, you know, the Astros, the Phillies, the Giants, or the Mets, you know, getting involved in bidding more than the Red Sox. So for me, I don't see it. I don't know if you do, but um, I yeah. would bank on it. I mean, first of all, Jackie Bradley's contract on what he's going to get is like the hardest thing to predict ever, right? Yeah. What's he going to yeah. get for what could what is he going to get for an average annual salary? I've seen, you know, people guessing like two for 16 and then like four for, you know, 70. So there is, it could be you know, mean, anything in between. It's like, it's, I mean, it's just the hardest thing to ever identify, you know, like, or, yeah. or estimate or project. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, um, you know, I don't see it. Um, they, they have, they're right now, they're, you know, 11 million. They haven't said that they, they have a mandate that they have to stay below the $210 million CBT mm-hmm. uh, base threshold. But, you know, I'm sure that in a year where um, they are probably not going to compete as much as they are in 2022, that, that it would be good to stay below this year. And you, if you are competing, though, and you, you do have a chance to make the playoffs, um, you do need some wiggle room you know, in the season and most GMs uh, that are close to that threshold would like to go into a season with, you know, at least $10 million, uh, you know, to have some wiggle room. I know that obviously helped the 2018 Red Sox when they, you know, picked up three guys. Now this isn't the 2018 Red Sox, but um, you do need some wiggle room and you do like some flexibility. So I, I just don't see it happening where they are right now with their payroll, which is, you know, 198 or 199 so basically I, the red sox have have 10 million more left to spend you know if you think they're going to add you know omar wing gonzalez or something like that there's probably not room to get jackie bradley under there yeah no i i don't see it and i've never really seen it i didn't think you know i mean look at you you know you you, you look you going back to you know 2019 uh the beginning of 2020 it really didn't seem like a realistic thing for Jackie Bradley to come back you know it seemed like the same thing with you know what they had a situation in 2013 with with Jacoby Ellsbury after that year was it was I think Mm -hmm. it was after 2013 or 14 but yeah I mean you just knew that there was another guy that was in that was waiting there and at the time that was Jackie Bradley that was going to take over uh, eventually for for Ellsbury and you look at it and the Red Sox have a guy in their system that eventually could take over in in Duran and 
you know, Hilberto Jimenez, he's, he has a long way to go, but you know, two of their best position prospects are center fielders. Right. So obviously, you know, it's kind of a lot in a short amount of time, but that's what we wanted to do on the day. Um, reacting to a late night trade that I think, uh, you know, despite the rumors early in the off season, it seemed like things cooled down. So something that at least I was surprised on late last night, but that's Chris Smith. I'm Chris Cotillo. You can find all of our coverage on the Ben Attendee trade and everything else. Um, on MassLive.com.